Welcome back, everyone, to Rogue Opinions. And we've done punishment podcasts here before. We've had to watch Total Divas, ECW, December to December, and Chastain McNasty. But I would argue that this probably has to be the worst punishment like we've ever had to do. As myself and Sean are here to cover the September 25th, 2000 edition of WCW Nitro and some people might think why just this random episode of Nitro why are you reviewing this random episode and it's because this is a noteworthy episode as this is the episode where Vince Russo booked himself to win the WCW World Championship effectively killing all hope that some people may have had for WCW ah shouldn't like this is just how much a pain is this I mean, it's terrible. It's 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 like basically going to use every cliche in the book to describe it yeah. because it's just that's just how bad it is. I feel like we need to have some sort of like Geneva Convention at real break banning <laughs> certain forms of torture because this is just not fair. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jimmy and Nathan will argue that Chestnut Nasty was was worse. I didn't watch the episode because I didn't have to. I wasn't being punished, but they only had like a twenty minute episode. This is like an hour and a half close to two hours and it felt like fucking three having I to sit there and watch God, it. I was I'm sorry to cut you off there man but you're totally right with that I remember just looking at the time I kept pausing it to check the time and I was like oh, it's only this it's only been an hour it's only been an hour and a half Jesus Christ because the thing with the new network saying is they've got all these different time sets you can switch from segment to segment and I just looked across I like to scroll down and see what's coming up and I looked around like Jesus like 40 different different timestamps here like how much happens in this one episode yeah, it's, it's amazing how so little could have happened on an episode that had so many segments. Um, but like, obviously, other than the main, it's just a, it's just a whole lot of nothing. Really, it's, it's, it's the best way I can describe it. Other than the main event, it's just, it's just nothing. It's like watching static. It's, <laughs> just... Yeah, uh, I should give some context to the listeners that you're wondering what's this punishment for. Well, me, Sean, and Reese did the first ever three-way predictions contest for Clash of Champions. We recorded a review of Clash of Champions, which somehow got lost. Somehow, as soon as we finished the Skype call, and it's the same because it was a decent match. We talked about. We, talked, we were twenty-five minutes in. We'd only talked about one pre-show match, which gives you an idea of how that went. I mean, to be fair, some of the bits, one of the best bits of that podcast probably would have had to be edited out, so we didn't get a lot of shit online. It was. I mean, it is a shame because it was quite a good um. Mm-hmm. It was quite a good part. Probably better than this one's going to be. No offense, Scott, but I mean, yeah, as good as as good as as good as you are, mate. Like, <laughs> can't get blood. You can't get blood from a stone. Um, <laughs> looking, I, I said on the podcast that podcast, I wasn't a fan of a Clash of Champions, but looking Clash of Champions looks like WrestleMania X Seven compared to this. Yeah, basically, it's like the greatest wrestling show in history by yeah. comparison. And then that that three predictions. We didn't even, uh, weirdly, we ended Clash of Champions on a three-way tie, so we carried on to the following night's King of the Ring final, where me and John both said Gable, and Reese mentioned Baron Corbin, and hasn't shut up about getting that right ever since. Yeah, and I'm not going to lie, we I, we deserve this, impartially for <laughs> picking Gable. I don't know what I was thinking. I did think it at the time, I'm not going to pretend I didn't, but like, guys, I remember waking up the next day and looking at the results, and I was just like, why the hell did I pick Gable? He was never going to win that. <laughs> Uh, like part of me thought like they were doing what what they done with Roman for a couple of years in the Rumble where they just put him down to the last two. So 
so people would cheer when whoever won actually won. I thought that's what they were doing with Corbin, so they'd get a bigger reaction when Gable won. Um, yeah. Shows what the fuck I know. Well, at least you had logic behind it. Mine was just, I like Gable, so I am picking Gable. That was, <laughs> that was basically the extent of my thought process. Yeah, I mean, we've, start, we've started stalling. I think we should just get in this, so we, hope we yeah. never have to watch. <laughs> we never have to talk about WCW ever again. So, hey, so you you texted me about this actually, didn't you? This was with the intro. That's like this head like when I say the intro, I don't mean the opening match. Like I mean the literal intro. Yeah, like the video, like opening video, yeah. all the highlights and shit like that that they use for every show. Yeah, like, I'm glad it wasn't just me because you texted me and said like the intro undeniably gave me a headache, and I was like, I'm the same. Like I had to look away from it. It was genuinely headache inducing. So yeah. like serious like serious warning to people who are susceptible to stuff like that if for whatever reason you decided to watch this episode. Maybe skip yeah. the intro. Like that like I, when Sky Sports like showing the WD shows the other guy who warns the following program contains strobe lighting effects, like you should have that a big warning for this fucking WCW yeah. Nitro intro. Yeah, well it's nice of them to give you some physical torture to go with the mental torture that you're about to endure. So yeah, I mean this this opening vibes makes the opening to SmackDown look coherent to like the old ninety nine SmackDown that. <laughs> uh, speaking of SmackDown, like as you know, me and Jimmy do a retro SmackDown series, and the timeline we're on in ninety nine, Vince Russo has just left the WWF, and this is good to see that he made the most of his new his new position because I left him on one timeline and now I need to do this show and. Fucker still haunting me. Yeah. I mean, it's worth noting for this show, just for what it's worth. At this point, uh, Vince wasn't booking on his own. Uh, he, he had Bischoff alongside him at this point. I think like he left. He, he left. Stroke was fired. I can't remember. In in like sort of early two thousand, and then about halfway through two thousand, him and Bischoff uh, got brought back in to, to like to work together on it. So it's but it's black as as um, Russo gets, and it's not undeserved. He wasn't alone in this one. Yeah, but I think that makes it worse though, because if someone else is there with him, like you look at them thinking, "Why didn't you stop him? Why didn't yeah. no one tell him this is a it's bad idea?" Wonder. Sometimes I think when you have ideas for like stories and that, I think sometimes you just need to say them out loud. Mm-hmm. If you know what I mean, like, you just need to say them out loud, and then like, what does it sound like when you say it? It's like Vince Russo wins the WCW title. I can't imagine how anyone would say that out loud and think, "Yeah, that's a good idea." <laughs> <laughs> but then they'd already put the belt on Arquette at this point. So yeah, it's not Arquette like... knew that was a bad idea even when they pitched it to him. Vince Russo probably to this day will defend the fact that he won the title. Uh, this is the, this day. Bloody Vince Russo. That's all I can say. Bloody Vince Russo. I must say, before the, the intro, like, Paggy's to Nitro, we had a kind of a video recap in, like, what Vince Russo's been up to in the last few months. He's appeared as an on-screen character and it's weird because we have Ernest Miller who appears later on as the kind of on-screen commissioner, but then Vince Russo may have power as well, so he's pretty much out and out coming on saying, oh, by the way, I'm the guy that writes this show, and basically coming out every week just to tell, remind everybody that the show isn't real, and he keeps for some reason booking himself in matches, and apparently he's 9-0. and He keep piping up the undefeated streak of Vince Russo, and I just made yeah. a note, which I think is very accurate, this is what happens if that rumour of Shane McMahon winning the title came true. It's, I mean, it's not far off. Uh-huh. I mean, at least Shane's like got had like wrestling experience and well, wrestling experience, quote marks and stuff like that. But I so suppose Vince, at this point, he's nine and zero. I guess. But... I mean, 
I, I remember watching this. I forgot about it. Yes, I'm glad you brought it up. But I remember watching it, and I was thinking, like, could you imagine if they'd have put this much effort into somebody the fans actually wanted to see win? Like, because mm-hmm. like, they, the, like, the way they were building them up, it was like, the, like you know, the, the like triumphant hero returns home, and he's gonna win the WCW title as if he's some like big underdog. Like, it's insanity. Like, it really is. Insanity. Clearly, a heel. Like Vince Russo, it's portrayed like the heel commentator is constantly backing him. He's he's aligned with heels, but they're doing this in his hometown as if he's maybe this hometown hero, like coming home. So like, I don't know what message I'm supposed to get here. Am I, is this maybe the, a triumphant moment for a babyface Vince Russo? Is he meant to be a heel? Because you hear him talk, it's easy to dislike him. He's instantly a heel whenever he talks. Yeah, and it's um worth noting as well. This this was in the, uh, I checked out some of the W like this chapter. Well, there's not an entire chapter dedicated to this, but there's a part of uh, the death of WCW where they talk about this, and they mention that this is how much Russo was liked in his hometown when the match was announced. They, they like only sold an extra two hundred tickets in that week, basically. So like even the people in his hometown weren't particularly yeah. ravenous or excited to go and see him win the title. But after that, we get Vince Russo coming out of a coming out of a car and then in the building alongside his his sidekick, a young Jeremy Borash. And let's see, Borash has done better things since this. But uh, that's not saying much, to be fair. <laughs> it wouldn't take much to be doing better than this. But... And we, our, commentator, our commentators for this are Tony Schiavone, Scott Hudson, and Mark Madden, who I've noted is probably one of the worst commentators I've ever heard. He just gets worse. Let us think on, like, me and Jimmy have made comments on the likes of Jerry Lawler and Michael Hayes on Retro SmackDown, like, I feel bad for anything bad I've said about them having listened to Mark Madden for an hour and a half. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to lie. I couldn't really tell who was who. They all just sort of drowned together for me during the like, once in the show. Well, it's easy to tell when they cut to the contour because Mark Madden's the only one not wearing a suit. He's sitting there in a shitty Hawaiian shirt. He's like, oh, was he the heel commentator who kept like bigging up Vince Russo and that? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, he was loud and obnoxious, but mm-hmm. I'll give him that. Like, he's, he came, he was dressed, he looked like I can't remember any of the character, but the, the fat guy in the first Jurassic Park movie who steals, like, who causes all the trouble and, like, ends up setting all the dinosaurs free. I can't remember his name, but... Oh, yeah, I guess. Um, to be fair, just, I mean, I'm not necessarily going to defend him, but for, just for what it's worth, I'd be amazed if somebody who could get good commentary from this show. You know what I mean? I mean it's not like... You know, I mean, Tony like... trying his, his best. Well, he is, but... Yeah, God bless him. He is trying his best, but even though so, it's still not like particularly memorable. So our opening contest is Big Vito, who you may remember most fondly in his mid two thousand three run as the guy who wore a dress all the time. And I think according to Bruce Pritchard, was committed to wearing a dress. He apparently even wore it in airports, taking on Johnny the Bill, two former tag team partners, and and this is the exact quote I wrote this down as this is what commentators are it as. An I quit stick ball bat versus kendo stick match. Yep, that's what it's listed as is on a profile database as well. So that's that's not a that's not just something they made up on commentary. That was a genuine thing. And of course, it ended in no contest. Sorry, I did like jump the gun there, but it it really it really wound us up. That I hate stuff like that. Well, like immediately the fingerprints of Vince Rousseau are just evidently. Like, I'm worth mentioning. I turned the show off three times. <laughs> And this is a, I turned it off once. I went and had a break. I think I went and got some to eat. Well, to be fair, one of them one of them was while I was watching it, right before the main event came on, I had to do another podcast. But 
the first time I turned off is that intro package gave me a headache, and then hearing a stick ball that weekend, I was like, I quit match. I'm like, no, this is just too much whistle <laughs> for one night. Like, I'll watch it tomorrow. So, well, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure it ended in no contest. Correct me on that if I'm right, but I don't remember anybody saying I quit. No, I don't, I don't think it was like I don't think anyone did say I quit because they talked about how uh, Johnny the Bullet joined the, the natural born thrillers, the the heel faction that are kind of with Nash and Mike Tension Russo, and uh, uh, yeah. he had uh, Big Vito's sister Maria in the front row where, and when Mark Mankin shouting out. Uh, for an Italian stereotypes and asking if she'd make spaghetti or something like that. And then at one point, like Reno, who's also the Natural Fellows, comes out and interferes, and they've got Rio hung up in the, uh, so they've got Big Vito hung up in the Tree of Woe, and she comes in, she says something on the mic, but you can't really make it out, so I'm assuming, like, she quits on his behalf, or. Oh, like, she so it was one of those type things. Yeah, like the lot, like the John Cena Rusev, um, like yeah. match from a while ago when he like he like said he apparently said I quit in Bulgarian and Lana said it for him or something like that or whatever yeah, it was. Like that. Basically, he was kind of trying to save him from being getting a two and one beat down. So, like I think that's what. But it says a lot about this show, doesn't it? That this is this is your opening match. This is what you're putting on to try to entice people to stay. And I couldn't figure out how the match ended. Like <laughs> it pretty much says it all. You know what I mean? Like, well, this is what we're in for. Yep. So we go we go from this to I believe we get the first of three random David Flair segments. What the hell are these? <laughs> I was gonna say like his last his last one was right before the main event, so I'm gonna say we wait until the last one and then we just lump all three together and talk about them in one because I don't want to talk about David Flair more than once in this show. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so we go so we go from there I believe this is where Jeff Jarrett and Scott Steiner came to the ring and they just ran down the crowd in typical heel fashion and then they just typed up how Vince Russo was going to win the title later on and then they ring Russo out and like there were some weird signs in the crowd I kept like I made a lot of notes during this as I said the show before I recorded like this is what kept me going to this like the one thing that kept me saying is just making notes of random things, so I just kept making notes of random signs in the crowd. There are two, there, sorry, there are three signs of note in this segment. One was, know your role, Russo. One that says, well, yeah. Russo That's... saved WCW. I remember that one. I've got that wrote down in my notes as well. That's, that's amazing. I wonder, how much, how much was that guy paid to hold that sign? That's going to say, that had to be a plan. <laughs> It'd be like someone just told him, oh, yeah, hold this up, it'd be funny. Like, come on, come on, nobody. <laughs> and finally, uh, that 70s guy equals rating sign. <laughs> I didn't notice that one. That's incredible. <laughs> I mean, no, nothing against Mike Awesome. You know, he could have yeah. been, you know, been a job, but not, the, not that character. <laughs> no. We'll talk about him later on. But, you know, again, I said about the mixed messages of Vince Russo, like the way in the presentation, like, what was this promo from Russo really meant to be? Because... He talks about, thank God, you people live here in Long Island, even though they said, you know, said at the start of the show they were in Uniondale. So I don't know the difference, but like he's saying, like, thank God you live here because I live in Atlanta. So like, is he maybe running to Atlanta, or is he maybe buying the fact that he left Long Island to go to, to go to Atlanta, like the time where Mez was getting cheered in Cleveland? He said, I live in Hollywood now. Like, I 
think I think what he was I guess yeah I think what he was going for was you you people suck so I live in Atlanta I guess. Uh, I mean to be fair for what it's worth, uh, listening to Scott's Diner talk is always entertaining. So there's that. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah so, I'm yeah. just trying to gleam any positives I can. You know. So. Yeah. Uh, like I said, there's not much. He just basically hits that. Oh, I'm gonna win later on, and then the lights kind of go out, and we see Sting up on the on the screen alongside Booker T when Sting clearly had clearly had his Haribo before this segment started because he was hyped as fuck for this for later on because he was basically implying he was going to be there to watch Booker's back in case anything happened later on and he just says it's showtime I think but uh, I've got a wee game for you Sean okay Shag, marry, kill okay Sting Scott Steiner, Jeff Jarrett. Uh, well, I don't know if it's possible to kill Scott Steiner, so... <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'd marry Sting. Seems like a nice guy. Mm-hmm. But then again, at this stage, you had some problems, didn't you? But then it's an investment for the future, I suppose, isn't it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know he's going to be all right, whereas... Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Christ, I'd have to attempt to kill Scott Steiner because I couldn't. <laughs> I just don't think I could, you know. <laughs> Which is, I couldn't take it seriously. I'd just laugh. I just end up laughing the whole way through. So then I guess I'm shagging Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. <laughs> How about you? I mean, like I said, I don't know if it's possible to kill Scott Steiner, and I don't think it's a case of you. You don't shag Scott Steiner. He he shags you. He's the. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You do what he tells you to. He's called Big Papa Pump, not Big Papa Receive. (laughs) (laughs) It's true, though, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) So I guess I'm going to have to shout Scott Steiner because I'm not marrying him. Because like <laughs> as funny as he is to listen to him rambling on, it would get old after a while, and I don't think there's any way you can kill him. I was so. going to say, could I not? Could I not change it? I'll marry Scott Steiner on the basis I'll get him to write his own vows, and like, that'll be amazing. <laughs> <on> the... <laughs> you see, usually when you get married, you have a fifty percent chance of having getting divorced. But you're married to me, the genetic freak. You get thirty-three and a third percent chance. Yeah, great, wouldn't it? <laughs> Uh, so I thought I thought got Sting or Mary Sting because he seems like a lovely fella, uh, and by default I'm I'm having a kill Jeff Jarrett, which I'm not that bored of it, especially since he pulled out of a show I was going to that he was meant to be at a month or so back. So fuck him. Yeah, well you showed him. <laughs> <laughs> Take that slap, man. Not be doing that again. Uh, so yeah, but I mean, it was it was one of it was another this segment. It was one of those ones where it was again, it was it was fine, but it was just nothing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It was just it was just who cared. You couldn't help but watch it and just think, who gives a fuck? <laughs> it's just, hey, God bless Sting. I mean, like I feel like like Scott Steiner is one of the guys they should have invested in. If you know what I mean? Like for a better, you know, I mean, for better or worse, at least you know he was a fresh face. He was. You know, he's got something about him. You know, you can't deny that. Yeah. So. I'd, I'd rather invest it in Scott Steiner than Vince Russo. I'll put it that way. Yeah. 
I mean, Jordana would win the title in like October. I think he holds it to like the that simulcast draw, where, where the, yeah, what they, where where Vince announces the purchase of series, but like with the way the title swapping back and forth in this time period, Jesus, that five month reign looked like fucking Okada in New Japan. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say I've got I got the complete. Do you know the complete title history of two thousand? I've got it in front of me here, right? I think I know the majority of it, but surely. So it starts with Bret Hart, mm-hmm. then it was vacated, then it goes to Benoit, then it was vacated, then it goes to Vic- Sid Vicious, and then it was vacated, and then it goes to Kevin Nash, then back to Sid Vicious, then it was vacated again, then Jeff Jarrett, then DDP, then David Arquette, and then Jeff Jarrett. The last four of those were all inside a month, <laughs> and then it's Ric Flair, and then it's vacated again, and then it's Jeff Jarrett, Kevin Nash, Ric Flair, Jeff Jarrett, Booker T. Kevin Nash, Booker T, Vince Russo, vacated, Booker T, Scott Steiner, Steiner holds it until March, like you said, and then I think Booker T wins it on the last um, well, roll, but that's after, that's in 2001 to be fair, so Scott Steiner is the last one to hold it, the year 2000, but by that point, I mean, Jesus, it's just not worth it, is it? I'd, I'd rather not held it at that point, yeah. I think. And Vacant had a, had a star-making year, didn't he? Well, he did, yeah, it made him. <laughs> Who said WCW didn't invest in talent? <laughs> The last true star made by, last true main eventer made by WCW vacant. And for what it's worth, just if anyone's <clears> listening, <throat> and somehow hasn't heard of him, uh, wrestling with the Greg Bryan's in has a great video on um, the WCW title in 2000. That's worth watching. Yeah, I just give you the highlights there. He goes into it on a little bit more detail than that. Mm-hmm. Um, Quite worth it. Yeah, and like, I know some people may think, oh, you mentioned Russo winning in that thing. You're like, we just said at the top of the show what. What episode this is, so... But, I mean, come on, that's not a spoiler. Jeez. Yeah, no. If anyone thinks that's a spoiler, it can do one, frankly. <laughs> so we go backstage to Chronic, uh, Brian Clark and Brian Adams, who... I'm sorry, I thought you just meant you had, like, a chronic headache after watching this show. <laughs> no, not my favourite Chronic. This is maybe the cool Chronic, like, the, as in reference to, they smoke weed, and then you look at them like, these guys do not look like they've touched their joint in their lives. I mean, they're on something, but it's not weed. <laughs> it's not. It's not weed. It's not weed. Maybe they should take some weed to counteract whatever it is they are taking. But but they're preparing for this tag team battle royal coming up later on for the vacant tag team titles. When now this is his actual name that we we call later on above average Mike Sanders. It sounds like oh, for us. <laughs> The worst wrestling name slash worst porn name ever. I mean, at least he's honest. You know, <laughs> he, what are you like? Santa's so well, I'm all right. You know, I'm all right. I'm Maybe good. I'll make Intercontinental Champion one day, you know? I'm all right. Sanders, <laughs> <laughs> uh, who is also part of the Natural Born Thrills. Now, you hear about them a lot, so I'll just give you the list. The Natural Born Thrills were uh, Sanders, Reno, Johnny the Bull, Mark Jindrak, Sean O'Hare, Sean Stasiak and Chuck Palumbo. So seven of them in total. They're basically all like developmental guys who just banded together because they had nothing else on. They're basically shit two thousand Nexus. Yeah. <laughs> so then... it's just WWE stole the idea for the Nexus <laughs> after the natural born thrillers. That's true. <laughs> you heard it here first. The Sanders tells them for whatever bullshit reason is they're not in the, the tag team battle royal and they they take it. They take it in their stride to chronic, and they they say they're going to do something about this. So we get the the tag team battle royal, and now 
apparently the filthy animals the week prior won the tag team titles and then whatever bullshit reason thanks to something involving Disco Inferno the titles were vacant although vacant again not just a world champion but also a tag team champion <laughs> okay I gotta tell you marquee year for vacant in 2000 he won I mean, it all he was like um, was it Kurt Angle's year when he won all the titles first year <laughs> like, like, he had he had that night on Nitro, the reboot, where all the titles were vacant, so in one night, yeah. all the gold. <laughs> What's the name of that guy? I can't remember the name of that guy. He's a Japanese wrestler, and he held like 10 titles at once. Yeah. Something like that. The Ultimate Dragon. <laughs> vacant, yeah. yeah, that's him. Sorry. Yeah. So, yeah, so despite the titles being vacant, apparently, the Filthy Animals still come out, and Conan, their manager, is still holding the tag titles for whatever reason. And... So he's getting a bit presumptuous, getting you out of your head. You're still there, Conan. So I think it's Juventud Guerrero and Rey Mysterio, minus his math, because he lost that in 99, I believe, in a match with Scott, uh, yeah. sorry, with Kevin Nash. Do you know why they took him off him? Just as a side note, do you know why he got it took off him? Because, because they, they told him that masks wouldn't sell well. He wasn't, like, he wasn't marketable with a mask or something like that. It's something along those lines. And then you look at the amount of merchandise like people like WWE have made of mask sales. Mm-hmm. It's like one of, it's one of the things like Vince Russo did as well that if you couldn't see a competitor's face or they didn't speak English, like the language that the, most of the audience spoke, then people couldn't connect with you because you didn't speak like them where they couldn't see your emotions through like the mask, which is really just bullshit uh, when you think about it. It's basically the idea of like, oh, you don't speak English so people won't get over. Like, fucking Lucha Brothers are one of the most over-tagged teams going at the moment. And they cut half their promos in Spanish, and I don't speak a word of Spanish. Yeah, but you don't need to. Like I like to look if you look at Oscar and WWE, I look like I love it when Oscar just starts like ranting in Japanese. I ain't got a clue what she's saying, but I'm, I, you know, you don't need to, do you? Like she could be saying the most boring sentence, boring sentence ever when you translate into English, but because you're saying it so angrily in Japanese, you think yes, you assume it's something <laughs> badass. Basically, yeah, <laughs> the universal language of badass. <laughs> So the actual competitors had to look this up afterwards because all the other tidings are just in the round. They don't get introdu- introductions, so why the fuck should I care about them? But I believe you've got the Misfits in action. You've got O'Hare and Stasia. No, uh, Sean O'Hare and Martin Drax, sorry. Yes. Look at these natural ones. There's too many of them there. Because I'm just I'm a bit confused here. So it's Martin Drax and Sean Stasia. No, fucking hell. I don't know. They're all the same. It's this show. It's melting your brain. I mean, don't worry about it. You don't need to run down the entire... The John, entire O'Hare, John O'Hare and Mark Jindrak. I got it there in the end. They, they were the, uh, the Misfits in action. I believe Chavo Guerrero was in there somewhere. Uh, you got the Harris twins. They both look the same. They're both bald. Uh, the Young Dragons and Three Count, which I believe is Evan Courageous and... Shane Helms representing them, and I know Shannon Moore was the third member, and there may be one or two teams that I didn't recognise in there, but it's basically the clusterfuck in the bit in the worst way, and you got Conan on commentary, and just despite not being in the match, Chronic uh, come out anyway, eliminate the majority of the field, and the referees basically count it as eliminations, even though Chronic have been taken out of the match, so why rule the the eliminations shouldn't count. I mean, for what it's worth, doesn't yeah, sometimes you get that in 
like battle royals and royal rumbles, don't you? Where someone, well, someone who's eliminated, like comes in and then throws them back out. Yeah, because I don't. Yeah, see, see, I never mind that because I, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to have this discussion on this podcast because I'm not defending WWE at this point. But yeah, this in Royal Rumbles and that, I don't mind it because the rule is if you go over the top rope and hit the floor, then you're out. It's not like it's not. It's not that someone. The the rules never been if some that someone who's in the match has to throw you out. Uh, the only two smart people are the natural born thrillers in this match because when Chronic come in, they just stand on the apron. There, they just stand on the apron and just watch everybody else get thrown out and just bide their time. And eventually, like Chronic gets sent back in by like security and shit, and then it's down to the filthy animals versus O'Hare and. O'Hare and Jindrak and eventually Jindrak and O'Hare get the win but the bell rings like way too early pretty sure before like like Mysterio goes over he's the last one for his team against these two he goes over but his feet don't touch the floor the bell rings he comes back in and he gets eliminated and then the bell rings again nice It's just it's it's honestly it's like a Benny Hill sketch or something, isn't it? Really, is it's like a, it's like a, it's just like some comedy farce. That like everything that can go wrong goes wrong. Like, it, it, to be fair, for what it's worth, I thought the end of this match was decent up until like the run-in started. <laughs> like, there's like parts of it that I mean, you know, it's not exactly Kenny Omega versus Okada, but you know, like it's it's fine. It's perfectly acceptable wrestling, but. And it's just again like the run-ins come in. Run-ins interference, by the way, is a recurring theme throughout this show. Yeah, but like I think it's, it was probably the right decision, given that, like you said, if you're wanting to build new guys and like the roster, then these guys were the right winners. And also, you've got seven of them, so maybe you could like have you don't know which members are going to defend the titles if you want to go down that route. And also, you got rid of Chronic because you've seen how dominant Chronic was, so they basically. Yeah, their guy Sanders telling them by the you're not in the match just so that there was a better chance of them winning. So I think at least that's the idea behind this. But like execution wise, it doesn't always work out. And that just seems to be around theme. Like they've got an idea, but just the execution is very poor. Yeah. Um, yeah, basically. I agree with you. <laughs> I haven't got much to add to that. Yeah. It's... I don't. I didn't really note this down, but is this is it after this where we have the backstage interview with? Oh, I might have mentioned a uh, Cisco Inferno gets gets involved and like basically helps cost the filthy animals at one point. He's got a duck for some reason. I, I don't know why. Like I don't really care to know why because I don't care to know anything about Cisco Inferno other than he's a abhorrent human being apparently. Oh, just. Note it and move on. Then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's at this point where we get the backstage interview with the whack pack from Howard Stern. Uh, it's at some point, and it sort of reoccurs throughout the show. So, good as time to talk. Well, I say good, decent enough time <laughs> to talk about them anyway. Because uh, I'm never been a Jesus Howard Stern guy. These know. segments are something else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, you go. You go ahead. You go ahead. Again, okay, we're both we're both so desperate just to talk about how shit this was. But like, yeah, it's, basically, it's, it's basically like, uh, like 
these guys aren't quite right. Some of them, and just like, or there's a couple of guys who are dwarfs, and like, they're like, well, look, here's some weirdos. Let's get them on TV just so we can make, poke fun at them. And they were just, they were on Howard Stern, and Howard Stern's a bit of a weirdo anyway. And they decided, and for some reason he was big at this time, so they decided, oh, let's let's get these guys on the show because some people will probably know them. So you had Hank the Angry Dwarf. Who, when they when they come out later, because they're going to be the, <clears throat> well, when they come out later on for the they're going to be judges for the like Miss WCW bikini contest or whatever it is. Like H- Hank is clearly pissed. Like he's clearly drunk when he walks out. He, given the fact that everybody else walks in, he's stumbling behind them. And you've got Beetlejuice who's dressed as Superman for some reason. And I don't even I don't even know what the other guys' names, but they look kind of odd. And you had Pamela, I think her name was, whose big thing was she's a coat on and she has huge tits. That's her only characteristic. That's all people had to know about her. Well, I mean, that was just women at this point in yeah. wrestling in general, really. Well, at least mainstream wrestling, anyway. Mm-hmm. Unless you were called China. <laughs> that, that's, that's about it, really. Very much. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a part of me that doesn't even want to talk about these segments, just like to not really, really dignify them. Uh, but they basically just put in a couple of people who um, I'm pretty sure it's implied that some of them have like you know like like mental illness or something, something like that mm-hmm. like they're not all mentally sound and they're clearly just put there to laugh at mm-hmm. and you know people talk about wanting to go back to like the good old days of wrestling like I'm glad this shit is way behind wrestling yeah. now that it's perfect and not that you know they don't fall into stereotypes every now and then, but I'm glad stuff like this just doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. It's just crap more than anything else as well. Like, I mean, like, I didn't find it funny. Like, like you know, t- taking, like, the offensive, quote marks, people might roll their eyes at that, but taking that part out of it, like, it's not even that funny, really. Yeah. Like, they don't even do anything. Like, I don't, like, I don't know what is doing a ad to the show. Like, like, maybe at the time if you listen to everything, you recognise them, but, like, like, what is the really the point of them even being here? Like, they don't I mean, do anything. Yeah, like I, I just don't understand. Like on the like on the other show, like you have like, you know, The Rock like an amazing promo or something like that. And, you know, Austin coming out or something like that. I mean, and then like, who's thinking like, oh, I know, like we'll put the whack pack on and like, you know, that's gonna like make people change the channel. You know what I mean? That's gonna make people think, oh yeah, I'm gonna go watch WCW now. Yeah, I, I just—it's just—it's just bizarre. It's just—it—it's—it's. It, I'm pretty confident to say that it's that it would be offensive. And again, I know people roll their eyes at that, but I think it, like this is a fair use of it. <laughs> like, it's pretty bullshit in that regard. It's also not really remotely funny or entertaining, and it's not going to make anybody change the channel to watch uh, the show. Why was it on? Yeah, it's pretty I mean. much. All I can really sum up on that. So it doesn't get any better because it doesn't. Next up, we have a hardcore <laughs> handicap match with the insane clown posse. Another thing where I don't really, I still don't get how this was a thing. How these guys became popular and how they managed to pop up in multiple wrestling companies against that seventies guy, Mike Awesome, because apparently these guys were aligned with Vampiro. And Mike Awesome took out Vampire with a power bomb a week or so ago. So he changed a bit. And then Mike Awesome comes out in that 70s bus 
the giant fucking bus. And it looks like it was painted by someone who was probably stoned at the time. Probably. And, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the colours in the match would be generous. Yeah, it's just... Uh... It's just a like a, it's just a, it's just a squash, isn't it? I thought it was just a squash. Yeah, uh, these guys aren't real wrestlers. Like apparently, I think they trained and they now they think they still own that GCP, their own like wrestling company. But like these guys aren't like proper wrestlers, and so Mike Awesome really just just bunch of weapons show. But Mike Awesome pretty much beats the shit out of them. Yeah, he gives one of them like a like the like the awesome bomb on the top of the uh, bus or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's pretty cool, to be fair, for what it was worth. Like, but, uh, he fell off the side of the bus, and I, I did wonder when I was watching, because it looks like Awesome goes to grab him. Was he supposed to fall off? Or? I think he, he slid a bit too quickly. Like, he, he hit him, and then I think he was maybe, maybe he was maybe pin him on the bus, or maybe he was maybe slowly roll off the bus like, safely, but then as soon as he hit, he suddenly starts sliding, so he's, like, he's moving too quickly. So maybe Awesome was trying to help him. I think, given the fact that he grabbed him, he was kind of dangling for a second, and then he fell. So I think, and trying to help him, also might have made his landing a bit worse. Uh, maybe. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's another thing. It's I mean, I guess, I guess it was harmless. To be fair, if you wanted to build Mike Awesome, well, that seventies guy, I guess I suppose, you know, squashing two guys sort of does it. But I think it's a traditional squash match would have been better. Yeah, I mean, for, before he does the the. Uh... The Powerbomb spot too. I believe it's Shaggy Tudor is his, his name, and the other guy, Violent J, the he gets yeah, off funny. the front part of the bus. He takes this really awkward like flip bump through a table, and then Awesome chases Shaggy up to the top of the bus and hits the Powerbomb spot. Which so I think like that was a that's just before even without the slide, that's a dangerous spot to take because if Awesome slits while he's lifting Shaggy up, like they're both fucked. Yeah, uh, and like. It's another one of the things, like, for what, if you know what I mean? I mean, they, I mean, obviously, you know, they're all, it sounds like, you know, they're all, they're all adults. It's what they want to do. It's what they want to do. But it's just, it seems to me, it's like, if I, if, I don't know if it was someone backstage or something like that could have said, well, that's like, well, that's going to be a pretty cool looking bump, but it's also kind of dangerous. So why don't we save it for like a, like a big match or a big draw or something like that rather than. Yeah. Like, it's a spot on a, TV. Yeah, just a spot on TV. <laughs> but mm-hmm. in a squash match of all things. I don't know. I mean, weird. you know, they're all, they're all professionals and they all know what they're doing and there's an element of danger in any bump, but you're right. Like, I, I never even thought about it like that, but there's a very, there was a very narrow margin for error there. Because, uh-huh. like, uh, oh, Awesome comes in, at the, like, early on in the year, I think on that same reboot night show, he comes in while he's still ECW champion, he comes in as his killer, and then with a few months he's got this mullet looking like a knockoff, like, Kurt Russell. And he's maybe this guy who loves the 70s. And that's me get him over in the year 2000. Sums up WCW, really, doesn't it? Trying to get things up from the, like, the past. In the, in the, like, in the 90s, stroke 2000s. And it worked for a bit, but... I don't know. Well, Awesome's thing didn't really work. For what, yeah. From what I'm aware of, anyway. But, yeah. It's just mad. I mean, I guess at least Awesome got that sort of... I don't want to... I hesitate, I hesitate to call it iconic, but, I mean, I think you'll know what I'm talking about there. when he... He was going to give up the title, I think it was him. So then, like Taz, yeah, who was in um, the WWF at the time, signed a like Bassi signed a deal. Like they they organized a deal where he would beat um, Awesome for the title in ECW, and then he would drop it to Tommy Dreamer. Mm-hmm. 
And then mm-hmm. that, that was like a, like one of the only times a, a guy who was signed to the, the WWF faced a guy who was signed to WCW. Yeah. Yeah, it was a, a WWF guy, we had WCW guy for the ECW title. So like it was a really rare like cross brand thing for that time, which was pretty cool. But and it all went downhill for I think for both men following this, because given where because Daz was then forced to be retiring and sit behind the commentary desk, and Mike Awesome would have to drive a bus. Yeah, I mean it is mad. To be fair, that is mad when you think about it. Like, imagine if, like, say today, uh-huh. like uh, the AEW World Title was like defended against Seth Rollins in like New Japan or something like that. Like, that's kind of the, that's kind of the comparison. So yeah, it's a little noteworthy yeah. event in history, I guess. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Next, we get a weird in-ring promo from Ernest Miller, who is meant to be the. Like the, I think the commissioner or on-screen authority figure, basically, kind of warning, like then I think the natural born thirds and Kevin asked like not to get involved in like the main event match, like which we should forget is maybe in a steel cage or whatever the version of a cage they're calling it. It's a it's a hell in a cell. You look at it as literally a hell in a cell. Like the way yeah. it surrounds the ring, there's a gap between the ring and the cage. It, it's a hell in a cell, but they're moving their way around. They're trying. Dancer in the fact that it's a hell in a cell. I mean, I think the idea is you can only escape through the um, through the door. Mm-hmm. But I don't know why you wouldn't just have a cage. Like, yeah. I mean, have WCW did WCW always do this? I'm not, I'm not gonna lie, I'm not, I'm not really familiar with it. Did they always? Did they always have a? No, I think I think because they, they used to do the whole War Games, which were like two rings in the cage. There had a roof, and also I think Ruth Russo coming in. I think this is when the time they started doing this type of cage. So. I think he was trying to take like, like some of the like trying to update like the whole cage for, or maybe he's trying to just bring in some of the stuff that worked in WWE. So basically, try to do a Hell in a Cell, but also then realize they couldn't call it Hell in a Cell. Yeah, maybe I guess yeah. A rage so, in a cage. Yeah, I think that's what they called it or something. But then Mike Sanders comes out and cuts a he's generic with generic name, generic face, and. He's promo so generic, I forgot what he was on about, but I think he was basically warning Mer- Miller not to get, not to fuck with the natural born thrillers. And then Eris Miller, who is apparently a legit like martial arts guy, according to Eric Bischoff, like he manages to like, fend off Sanders, but then the rest of the natural born thrillers come out and he just gets like a, so, like seven on one, so he just gets the shit kicked out of him. And ever be down there, really overstayed its welcome. Yeah, it just went on too long. To be fair, I remember the guy who was, um, you said the cat. I remember his delivery being all right. Like the stuff yeah. he was saying was just generic. But I remember, yeah, I remember at the time thinking, well, he could have decent, like you know, his his delivery was decent mm-hmm. enough. But uh, yeah, then it just more run-ins, more run-ins. <laughs> <laughs> like, and the, the guys must have worked their cardio quite well with the amount of times they had to run from the back to the ring. Because yeah. like, it's it's insane. It's I'm pretty, I'm not gonna say every segment had a run-in, but. It, it was close. If it wasn't every segment, it was close. So I'm trying to see where we're going. Looking at my many, many notes that we've got, I've got here. I believe we should just get this out of the way. They had a random bikini contest year, so they bring out the the white pack again, and then they have all the women standing outside the ring, like lined up, waiting for their turn to come in the ring. And throughout the night, they'd just be cutting back to see the women getting ready and act and the. Mark Madden would act like he'd never seen a woman before, basically doing a shit Jerry Lawler impression. Like, getting it so excited every time he sees a woman. 
Yeah, it's. I, I'm not going to lie. I'll just be honest. I didn't watch this segment. I've got no interest. <laughs> on wrestling shows, I've got no interest in watching like bikini contests and stuff like that. Like, if I wanted, to, I think I text you this. But it was like, if I wanted to look at naked women, I would just Google naked women. Yeah, <laughs> like I wouldn't like. I don't need to watch this on my wrestling. I know it's it's basically shit porn at the end of the day. Really, what that? Yeah, what yeah that's all it is. Because I'll, I'll I'll give you a quick rundown of what happened. Oh please, I'm dying. I'm I'm dying with anticipation over here. <laughs> I've forgotten the names of half the women that were in this. I know Tori Wilson was here. Uh, Paisley, better known as Charmel, was in this, and um, I can't remember half the other women's names. But the whole thing was to get mentioned. Gene Oakland, God bless him, was was the host of this segment, and he was interested in like every time a woman would come in, like, she's been spending her time with this person, basically saying this is who this woman's either managing or in an on-screen relationship with, basically saying like none of our women here are actual wrestlers; they're all managers or people to be looked at. So, and the camera—I know this is the weirdest complaint for this kind of segment, but the camera work was shocking during this because they bring a woman in. And the whole point is to maybe like see what they look like with a bikini on. But by the time they took their, their robe off and they showed what happened, they'd already cut to the exit to the ring to see the next person coming in. Like if you're one people to get, to basically you're one people to stare at these women, but then you're constantly cutting away before they can do that. It's like if you're not letting people look at them, which is maybe what the segment's for, why do you keep cutting away? Like what is up with this production value here? I mean, see what you will, but when WWE did it, at least Kevin Dunn knew where to focus the camera. Okay, yeah, I guess. I mean, if you, it's true, though, and I, I wouldn't recommend doing these segments, but if you are going to do them, at least do them right. Like, you yeah. know, like... I don't know, like I said, it's a weird complaint to have, but, like, uh, you had a woman named Major Guns. Yes, I think. <laughs> she, was, she was a part of the Misfits in Action, and she was meant to have lost a match to Team Canada, which was Landstorm... Land Alex Skipper and the newest turncoat, the evil hacksaw Jim Duggan, who portrayed the USA, and is now a part of the evil Canada. Like uh, I never yes. get why Canada, like, has so many people who are heels when Canadians are maybe the nicest people in the world. Apparently, yeah, I guess it's just like it's just a rivalry, I guess, isn't it? Like America, Canada. So if you have shows in America, then you do like then the heels are. Sorry, I get this. I'll get the sentence out yet. I guess it's just because America and Canada are rivals. So I'm, I'm sure there have been wrestling promotions in Canada that would have had Americans as the heel doing like that. Probably. Well, so apparently, Team Canada won a match over Misfits of Actions, which meant Major Guns was forced to join Team Canada. But then Major Guns had a basically a Stars and Stripes bikini, and then which annoyed Jim Duggan, who he angered her, like, like, how dare you wear that? That's an insult to our country. It's an insult to Canada. And he forced her to cover up and he wanted to take her at the contest. And then Major Guns with, like, she's not a good good promo. Like, and I don't think many of the women were at this point because they weren't allowed to really speak. But, like, Major Guns is just terrible. So, like, she's all maybe all standing, like, I don't want to be Canadian. I'm an American girl. Like, like again, what's wrong with being Canadian? Like, <laughs> as if being from anywhere other than America is apparently the worst thing in the world. So yeah, I mean, I agree with you. It's it's just this whole thing's just bizarre. Um, and then, and then what I thought happened, what ended up happening, and that Pamela had this big coat on the whole time. And I thought she's going to take that coat off. She's going to have a bikini on, and the White Pack are going to make her the winner, even though she's not officially in the contest. And that's what happened. Because apparently she didn't. She's randomly last minute fills in for uh, Major Jones, who gets taken out, and. 
But so what you're, what you're saying is, even in the bikini contest, there was something akin to a run-in. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And they had Nadeja, so who it's got there like basically knock off China, who makes one of the worst run-ins I've ever seen, and the whole thing dissolves into a cat fight basically. And I never want to talk about this segment ever again. Yeah. Um, again, no offense. I know we have to watch it, but this was the one segment where I was just like, no, I'm not watching it. So, so like, I mean, there's only so many times you can say this is shit. If you know <laughs> what I mean? So, it's, it, it, I had to cut this bit, but I mean, apparently I didn't miss much. So, <laughs> I mean, at least if you watch like the rest of the show, at least you watched everything else other than this. I mean, I'm the idiot who chose to continue watching this and not didn't do the smart thing and skip it like you did. Well, yeah, if, I did, if we'd have done the smart thing, we'd have picked Coleman to win freaking King of the Rings. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> they could, this next segment, if we're all right to move on, yeah, this was a promo with from Scott Steiner in the back, wasn't it? Because he he starts talking about the um like the like the, con- the bikini contest, doesn't he? Where he's, he's like, oh, what do you think about things getting physical there? And and Steiner's like, well, that's why you know she's my favorite freak. Da 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 da. But then he's, this confused me, and I'm wondering if I've missed something from him because he, he, he cuts a promo and he mentions Goldberg because he's been like feuding with Goldberg at that point, doesn't he? So he, he mentions Goldberg and then Goldberg attacks him from behind. Mm-hmm. And then the camera just cuts to what I imagine was a break because they don't do breaks on the network. Mm-hmm. So, and then when it comes back, Scott's down is standing in the ring. And he cuts another promo about Goldberg attacking him from behind. Mm-hmm. And then Goldberg comes out again, and they end up having the steel cage match. Yeah, so we I, should... why, did, why did Goldberg stop attacking Steiner? <laughs> why was Steiner okay? Like, he, he didn't, like, you know, he didn't sell up, like, the beatdown at all. Why, why did they have a promo in the back just to do a promo then out in the ring, which had the same effect? Like, did I miss something? Yeah, genuinely. Like, <laughs> I think we forgot to mention in that opening like part where we had Jada and Russo and Steiner in the ring. Goldberg like came through the crowd at one point, and because he was meant to be gone, and so I think said he chased Goldberg off, but now Goldberg was back, and apparently he'd only been gone for eight days, so not much. Yeah, he'd, l- he'd lost a high quit match, but Goldberg was like, you know, well the jokes on you, stipulations don't matter in WCW. So he came back. <laughs> Yeah, so they had that segment like backstage and they got into the fight and then it was maybe Disco Inferno in the ring with these weird ducks and the only note I made about his fit is Disco Inferno can fuck off. <laughs> Fair enough. And again, he's got a weird duck for some reason. He's made to announce that he's got a new tag team partner and he doesn't eat the filthy animals. But then Scott Steiner comes out and the commentator's like, oh, is Scott Steiner his new tag team partner? And then Scott Steiner just kicks fuck out of Disco Inferno. And... Oh yeah, I forgot. I missed, I missed that part out. You're right, and that's because that's even weirder. That makes it even weirder. <laughs> I know. And like, so yeah, then Gore comes at me. He says he'll fight Scott Steiner, but then he says, like, well, we've got a cage here, so why don't we have a cage match? And then the cage just lowers. So not only have you got a cage match in your main event, which weird looks like a hell in a cell, you've lowered the value of that cage match by having another impromptu cage match. I mean, lowered the value of a Rousseau match is saying something, but you are right. <laughs> and also, Scott Steiner, like, he apparently got his face like in, fractured or injured his orbital bone in a match with Goldberg before, so he had to, when he wrestled, wear a face mask. But I don't think that was explained so randomly in the match. 
Scott Steiner's got this weird black strap thing on his face. <laughs> I do remember that. I, was, I shouldn't laugh because he was hurt, but you're right. It's just because they don't explain it at all. And, um, the worst thing about it also, is... Sorry, after you, after you. So the worst thing about it is, Goldberg headbutt Scott Steiner and Steiner sells are like, you have a face mask on, surely that shouldn't hurt. <laughs> oh, it's just... I mean, the only... Again, the only... Um, positive, again, I'll put in quote marks about this whole thing, was, um, again, when Goldberg came out and he cut a promo on the ramp, uh, I remember thinking his delivery as well was decent enough, and I think uh, even back then people might have slightly underrated Goldberg on the mic. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if what he was saying made any sense, because obviously we'd come in in the middle of us like a segment, or a middle of a story, but um, I thought his delivery was pretty decent. Yeah, like, better than I remember Goldberg, because I don't think... I don't really remember Gore being like the best on the mic. I think all people just remember him how he was in ring. But yeah, it was actually like a better promo than I thought. And I'll be honest, I've made note about like the mask and the weird like promo. I've forgotten who won this match. Uh, Goldberg. Goldberg, yeah. So <laughs> I was just going to myself there. Yeah, it was Goldberg. Um, it was weird because Goldberg has also said he wasn't really interested in winning he just wanted to have a fight with him basically mm-hmm. he just wanted to beat him down which meant again to me you, you you removed like the psychology of a match basically and it just turned into a fight because there was no like you know there was no pins there was no submission attempts there was no attempts to get out of the there wasn't even really any attempts to get out the cage that i remember mm-hmm. he just like sort of stood up and walked out when he was done and at yeah. that point like if you take all that out of wrestling it's like well what's the point if you know what i mean that's like that's the drama that's the tension. <laughs> it, uh, I mean, but then I'm, again, uh, you are, we've asked a lot of questions without answers in these, I mean, in surely, these in this podcast because there are no answers really. <laughs> surely, then that means if he just beat him, like if he beat the hell of him and then just left, like and didn't really didn't really want to beat like get a pin, like surely Steiner wins by four if Goldberg isn't really interested in winning and just wants to beat him up. Well, I mean, I guess, but it is a cage match, so as soon as Goldberg walks out, he wins, but... Yeah, I guess it's not. It, it, but even then, it's, it's it, trying to find the logic. What's the point of trying to find the logic in these segments? Because the people who were writing it clearly didn't, so... so <laughs> I just want to say, like, I, look, I looked up uh, the card for this this match, for this like episode, just to make sure that it was Goldberg that won. And I've just got the match times here, according to this, according to this place. I'm looking at, my God... The longest match on this whole episode was the main event, and that went 8 minutes and 33 seconds. It says it all, doesn't it? Like I, it, yeah. It's so stupid, but so, like, I, I could say something about that, but what's the point? You can just say that fact, and it just anyone who's listening, that, that tells you everything you need to know. I mean, in total, you look at this is less, if you add all these things together, probably less than half an hour worth of wrestling on an hour and a half wrestling show. And like you said, that yeah. says it all, really. Yeah, it does. It really, really does. Uh, we have a... a oh, match. we're not even nearly done yet. Jesus Christ. <laughs> we're, we're nearly there. We have a scene which I've, I've seen played before. I didn't realise it was on this episode where Jeff Jarrett's walking back and he's going to head to the ring for his match when Beetlejuice from the White Pack walks by him and calls him Slap Nuts and Jeff Jarrett responds by hitting Beetlejuice with a guitar and so that's Mr. Slap Nuts to you. And just walks off. Oh. I guess. You know, mm-hmm. why not? 
Yeah. Why not at this point? <laughs> uh, I've got a few more signs here. It's uh, there's a uh, there's a sign that says 1918 on it. I don't know what somebody somebody out there celebrating the end of World War One apparently. I mean, it's you know, it's a good enough reason to celebrate. You know, it's pretty. <laughs> and there's a someone where it says that the guy behind me can't see. That's a classic. Like, well, put the sign down then, mate. Yeah, I used to always pick that sign when you could like, you know, when you could make like custom, when you make like custom superstars on like the WWE games, and you could pick what signs would show up in the crowd when they were out. I would always pick that one because I thought it was funny when I was eight. <laughs> so we've got Jeff Jarrett taking on the leader of the Misfits in action, General Hugh e- Hugh Erection, also known as Hugh Morris slash Bill Demont, former trainer who was fired under less than flattering circumstances. Yeah, another one of life's winners. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we've got this. Sorry, have, yeah. It only goes more than a few minutes before Landstorm and uh, the turncoat, as he's referred to on commentary, Hacksaw Jim Duggan get involved in. I must say, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, do what you want about him turning on the US, but suddenly when he's joined Canada, he's more clean shaven, he's cut his hair, he doesn't look as homeless as he did when he was an American patriot. It's just what happens when you move to Canada. Good things happen to you, you know? <laughs> you take advantage of the free health care they've got over there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Good on him. That's what I say. Good mm-hmm. on, Duggan. And his life round. So, Team Canada get involved. They help. Uh, double win. Uh, he hit wins with the stroke. They start beating him down after the match when Sting makes the save. And he then challenges Storm to an impromptu match, which... They come back to it after the break, and I thought saying much. I actually thought for like the four minutes, I believe that it went on for Sting v Storm was the best match of this show. Yeah, it was easily, easily, easily. the best match on the show. And again, that's it's still not saying much. Yeah, but there's uh, because it had actual wrestling in it. It's incredible, isn't it? But it had actual wrestling, like. Just standard wrestling stuff in it, like <clears throat> Sting, the underdog. Well, not the underdog, but like the baby face. Everyone wanted to win. Like Lance Storm locked him in the like the it was called like the maple leaf or something like that. Yeah, and oh, yeah. then <clears throat> you know he's crawling slowly to the ropes, and it, it sounds like I'm going to be insulting people's intelligence because that's just that's something you see in most matches. But you see it in most matches because it works. Mm-hmm. You know, like people buy it. People are like, oh, is he going to get to the ropes? He's nearly there, and he gets to the ropes, and like that's what people want. You know, I, th- I think the, the biggest fault people can make in wrestling is when they overcomplicate it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, it, like, it's, you know, good guy, bad guy, dynamic works. Yeah. You know I mean? and, uh, like, yeah. I do like the idea of, like, he, he does a version of the, uh, the Texas Gold Reef, but he calls it the Maple Leaf. I think that's a really nice, it's a really nice touch, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's just those little things, like, especially, like you said, like, Sting, he's, they call him an icon for a reason. Uh, Storm is one of the more underrated, like technical wrestlers like, ever. So, like these two in a match, it like, can't be anything le- less than great. And I like the sequence where they kept counting each other's moves, and then Sting slips out of a, 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 a body slam attempt and catches Storm with the Scorpion Death Drop for the win. It was pretty cool. Uh, we haven't done these in a while. One of these in a wee while, and I can tell the morale is getting very low. So I'm going to try and pick it back up again with another game Sorry. of Shag Mary Kill. <laughs> <laughs> is it showing? Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. So, Jack, Mary, kill. 
Hugh Morris or Hugh Erection, Lance Storm, or who was I going to say? Oh yeah, Mike Awesome. Um, I kill Hugh Morris. Yeah, we all know why. <laughs> um, I. Uh, I mean, you said Lance Storm's quite underrated technical wrestler. Yeah. Uh, Shag him. <laughs> you you like him uh, to put you in the maple leaf? Well, you know you could you know you could you could come up with some interesting uh, things, <laughs> and um, I guess that means I'm marrying my I'm marrying that seventies guy. Fair enough. I I definitely kill Hugh Morris as well because by all accounts he was a he was a bit of a bastard to yeah, put that lightly. Allegedly, <laughs> yes, allegedly. Uh, I did a switch around and actually I'd probably shag that 70s guy because I couldn't marry him, I couldn't live with him like that, especially not with that mullet. Because uh, he'd be talking about the 70s all the time, like, I wasn't born, Mike, shut up! <laughs> and then I'd, I'd probably marry Lance because apparently, as, like, as serious as he was as a wrestler, apparently he's actually quite funny in real life, so, you know, we'd, we'd probably have some banter. Yeah, he's got Twitter game as well, if nothing yeah. else. <laughs> you know? And the dog about Lance Storm, I looked up some facts about this this run as Team Canada, where at one point he was he held three titles at once. This Lance Storm he held the US title, the hardcore title, and the cruiserweight title. And he renamed them all to he renamed the US title the Canadian heavyweight title. The under hundred and four kilos title was the new name for the cruiserweight title, <laughs> I believe. That's and the Saskatchewan Hardcore International title which translates to shit, is an abbreviation, was the new name for the hardcore title. And eventually you would give the cruiserweight title to Elite Skipper and the shit title to Hacksaw Jim Duggan and then he would just hold the US belt. Yeah. Lance Storm, man. Like, what, if they, what if they'd have like, put him in the main event or something like that, you know what I mean? What if they'd invested that time in him? Yeah. He, I mean, he's definitely worth, more worthy of it than fucking Vince Russo, but yeah, to be honest, Scott, I think you're more worthy of it. Than <laughs> I mean, I've, I mean, I took one, I've taken one bump in the last couple of weeks, and that's, and I'm still more worthy than Vince Russo. Yeah, <laughs> fell down the stairs. <laughs> still more bumps. Like, also, I looked up this whole feud with the, the Misfits in action and Major Guns continues into the following months of those uh, where they would, where you would trade the US title back and forth would. Uh, Hugh Morris and Lance Storm. Eventually, Hugh Morris would beat both Lance Storm and Hector Jim Duggan in a handicap match, which then meant that yeah, that Major Owens was no longer a prisoner of Canada and he was able to come back to the USA and rejoin them. He was free. So you can now live in the land of the free again. Oh, say can you. <laughs> oh, but here it is. Here's the the meat and potatoes of why we're here. Oh, uh, no. I mean, got... we need to do our David Flair segments as well. Uh, we can quickly, yeah, we can quickly rattle those off because they were just bizarre. I mean, yeah. we came in halfway through a story. To be fair, I think so. They were probably even more bizarre for us. Yeah, apparently he's going out with he's an age story. He's going out with Daisy Cubor, who is pregnant, but he's not the father, and he's trying to hunt down who it is. And last week he got given an envelope with the name and the address of who it is. And 
and, <laughs> don't, and nobody nobody knows they know it it's like a thing where he knows but the audience doesn't know and so he's trying to find this address and he's trying to find whoever this is so the first segment is he gets out of his car some guy's on a payphone remember those and he just pushes the guy out of the way and grabs a phone book and he's looking for the address and the guy rightfully is annoyed that he's been put on the phone and then David Flair tries and tell the guy to tell him where the address is it's just it, but he never it, I, I, it was quite comical not what they were going for I think well, I mean, they, they probably were, but I thought it was funny because he kept he kept just saying like, "Where are they?" But he wouldn't say their name. So then mm-hmm. everyone's like, "Well, who are you on about?" Like, and then in the second one, he goes to Chuck E. Cheese, which is another Americanism that I don't understand. And it's ends like up... a like a they're just like a kids' restaurant and like a yeah. sort of like a ball pit and all that. And the thing is, he runs up to the woman. The woman's trying to get take an order from him, and he's like. He try, he's asking about where is he, and the, and the woman's like trying to ask him to leave because he's being hostile. And then he dives into the ball pit and is looking for whoever <laughs> he's looking for, like as if they're going to be hiding in the ball pit. To be honest, I'm surprised no one bloody WCW at this point. I'm surprised he wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> he just sits up like the Undertaker from the ball pit. Just... <laughs> and then he, finds, he goes to this house, he looks like he's finally found the address. He's arguing with this old man who is so confused and like apparently got the <laughs> wrong address. He's actually looking for the next door. But then the guy doesn't tell him until David Flair goes next door and bangs on next door's like door. He doesn't feel the need to tell him. Oh, but the person who lives there is out of town. He's not home. And it's another exciting chapter in the story of who who is the father. And I want to know, like, like I said, we've entered halfway through a story here, and like we don't even get the reveal of who it is. And well, part of me wants to know. At rogue opinions. Who was the father? Mm-hmm. Let us know. It's at Rogue underscore opinions, isn't it? Yes. Whatever it is, tweet us there and tell us us who the father of... Was it Stacey Keebler? Yeah. Stacey Keebler's child was. I mean... Wrong answers wrongly. (laughs) I mean, because, like, a part of me really wants to know who it was, but I don't have... I'm not going to bother watching more WCW from this time period to find out because... It was probably Russo. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Parmy thinks it's going to be revealed. It's going to be Rick. Some Parmy thinks that somehow David Flair's dad, Shaggy's girlfriend, and now he's the father of her baby. Like that's the kind of thing they would do. Uh, the only note I made of this thing is David Flair has to be adopted because you look at how talented Charlotte Flair is and how charismatic. Well, at least sometimes she is, and like you see, she's a lot like Rick Flair. And then you look at David Flair, like, good lord. I mean, to be fair, he wasn't exactly given Citizen Kane to work with here, was he? But still. Yeah, but Charlotte Flair was brought in to the main roster on the tail end of the Divas era, and she still managed to stand out. Like, I don't think that's really an excuse. I mean, they tried to push wow, David nice. Flair heavily. He was always on TV. He had the US title at one point. He fought his dad on pay-per-view. Well, that's fair. Uh, yeah, I guess it just wasn't meant to be for David. I think Charlotte must have got all of the talent. Apparently so. But yeah, as you were saying, John, the main potatoes of why we're here, it's it's here. The main event is upon us. We have... It's, there's just so much to unpack. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to run down everything I've made a note of here and we'll talk about it then. So we have the match... The, the, the cage lords, the ros- half the roster is surrounding the ring 
in the case to make sure Russo can't escape out the door. Russo hits Booker T with a pipe and gets a couple of shots and tries to immediately escape. He can't get out. He just beats down Booker with his with his weapon. He tries to climb out, out the top and pull out the top panel. He climbs it. The, the roster climbs the cage to stop him from getting it. Sting lowers down from the rafters. He can't get his harness off. <laughs> it's just so... It's so bizarre. Even, do, you think the, do you think the entire roster were just trying to keep him in that cage so he couldn't book shows anymore? Probably. Just say, don't let him out. Don't let him out. Just keep him in there. I mean, if you think that seems a bit overcomplicated and overbooked, just wait. You haven't heard the last of it. Because at some point, Lex Luger appears through the crowd, hands a pipe through the cell to give so a weapon or some sort of weapon he passes through. The referee gets taken out, so the EMTs come in, and then Ric Flair, disguised as an EMT, attacks Vince Russo and trips over one of the guys that's lying down in order to get to him. <laughs> that... Does that mean? It's like some sort of Benny Hill sketch or something, isn't it? It's like, it's like a Monty Python bit. It's like... <laughs> it's unbelievable. Then, and then that's not it. Because then, fucking, uh, natural born thrillers come in and they brawl with the roster. Booker T has hits a scissor kick on Vince Russo. He's won, he has the match won rightfully. He goes to the door, goes to open it. Goldberg's music hits. But, Go- but Booker doesn't just walk out. He just stands yeah. there like an idiot. Goldberg comes in, kind of nods at Booker, and goes to beat up Russo. Scott Steiner distracts. I believe it's Scott Steiner distracts Booker, but Booker fends him off. And as Booker's just about to step out the ring, Vince Russo is running at Booker to try and stop him. And Goldberg spears Vince Russo through the cage, technically meaning go- that Russo got out the cage before Booker does, and Booker is no longer the champion. Vince Russo is the WCW champion. And the worst thing of all, they don't. We've been waiting this whole thing to see him win the title. The match, yeah, the show goes off air without them announcing him as champion because they don't know if that means he won or not. Yeah, he doesn't get the title until Thunder on the on the Thursday. <clears throat> and um, yeah, the whole this whole thing is just where does the start? I guess I'll start at the start. So Russo again. Booker T is made to look like a complete idiot in this match. Uh, he gets outsmarted by Russo at the start because he pulls Russo pulls a bat out mm-hmm. and starts beating the hell out of him as if Russo's again as if Russo's outsmarted an actual wrestler who in KFAB actually does this for a living. Uh, he he gets he, Booker T just doesn't exit the cage at one point, which like I could half understand if he was worried. Goldberg was going to attack him for some reason, but then after it had been established Goldberg wasn't going to attack him, why didn't he just walk out the cage? There's... Even if, Booker, even if he did attack him, like, slip out the cage, at least if he attacks you, you're still WCW champion. Like, well, that's true, I guess. Yeah, if, you're going to, if you're going to get attacked inside or outside the cage, you might as well go away, you've still got the title. Mm-hmm. For all that it means at this point. Well, yeah. I mean, bear in mind they've They'd already had the belt on Arquette at this point. So it, the title was down to its last shreds of credibility. They'd hot-shotted it from person to person. Uh, some of it, not exactly their fault. Which, like, Brett had to relinquish the title because he was injured. That's not their fault. Uh, Benoit left, which it was, it, was, it was their fault because they, just because of the way like, they'd been treated up until that point. Like his, so like him, Eddie, uh, Jericho, and Malenko. You know the the, the radicals. Basically, mm-hmm. Perry Sand. You know, like, 
And so then they'd gone. So the, the tile was in a bad shape anyway. And then they put it on Russo. And do you want to know what rating this show did? Do After tell. all of this? I'm, I'm dying it, to know. It did a 2.87 to Raw's 5.44. Jesus and fucking you do, Christ. You don't have to understand how ratings work to understand there's a massive gap there. <laughs> I mean, like an AEW recently did a 1.4 to 8,000 and something that NXT does and people think they got destroyed. Fucking WCW got demolished in that rating there. Yeah, that's what this did. And also, like I said, I looked up the, um, you see, I, I mentioned this earlier, I looked up the part where the, uh, the death of WCW talked about this. And they point out that more than anything, say what you want about Russo. You know, and I'm sure people will. <laughs> but at the end of the day, Russo is a human being who has a family and, you know, things like that. And he's not, he was not a trained wrestler. And you notice when he, when he comes out of the ring wearing the helmet, that's mm. not just for comedic effect. It's because he'd suffered several concussions in the matches prior. And he's not, like I say, he wasn't a trained wrestler. Any trained wrestler shouldn't be in the ring taking bumps. Certainly shouldn't be winning world titles. But they, when you don't know what you're doing, you shouldn't be in the ring, basically. Mm. And that's another thing. Like you could, like when you look at Bret Hart had to retire. Uh, like I said, mentioned earlier because of concussions. Uh, I, I, I can't. I'm, I'm blanking on the guy's name. But he would, there was a guy in who earlier in the year in SmackDown ended up paralyzed like because draws. of them. Um, sorry, Robert draws. Might have been, yeah. He ended up paralyzed from the neck down because of uh, because of a freak accident. Mm-hmm. And then there's, you know, and those were trained guys. You know, <laughs> those were guys who knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just bizarre. He shouldn't have put himself in that situation again. Like it sounded might sound a little bit dramatic, but for his family's sake, mm-hmm. more than anyone else's, like it shouldn't have been in there. But at one point in the match, his helmet came off. I'm pretty sure this was in the. But as well, where Goldberger gave interviews in the past, where he said he wasn't coming out until the helmet had been put back on because he didn't want Russo to sue him for killing him. Basically, <laughs> <laughs> like he wasn't he wasn't going to do it. And, and again, just as a sort of final point on this thing, just to, to put it in perspective, when uh, at its height in I think it was I can't remember when it was, but it, it was it was ninety seven or ninety eight, one of them. WCW turned a profit of like $62 million, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, in, 90, in 99, they made $9 million. So it's still profit, but it's a, a huge, huge, huge drop off. And then in 2000, they lost uh, an absurd amount. Uh, to be fair, I don't know. I think to be fair, in 2000, they might have lost $62 million, And in 98 was when they made $30 million. I might have got the numbers wrong way around. Yes, I have. Sorry. So I'll just say that again for clarity. In '98, they made thirty million dollars. In 2000, they lost sixty-two million dollars. Jesus fucking Christ! And it's because of stuff like this. And just for a source on that, I saw that in an interview with Dave Meltzer. Just for what it's yeah. worth. I mean, I'm, I'm, it's not Dave. I'm, that's not Dave Meltzer breaking news, but that's that's who I said who saw it. Who mm-hmm. saw yeah. that? Uh, and yeah, sorry. I mean, I know I've been pretty dominant on that. I'll let you say some stuff about it, but like, it's just. It, it, the, the best way I can talk about that match is just to talk about the business of it, basically. You know what I mean, because it's yeah, it's it, it's stuff like that. That's that's 
what happened basically that's why stuff like that happened because you can take you can only take the piss with fans for so long before they just think i'm not watching this i'm leaving see you later i mean part of this has to be like part of our confusion has to be the fact that we're watching this one episode in isolation years later i mean i doubt watching everything that led up to this and everything that happened after would give it any con with the context would really help it in any way but i'd really speak ill of the dead i'm glad wcw is dead because they're letting Russo do this shit and they're losing so much money and this is what's and they're getting nothing back from it. Like they fucking deserve to go out of business as well. Like, and Booker, as I said, made me look so stupid, like pausing, looking like with a stupid expression on his face as Goldberg's coming out. Like like he he screwed himself, he deserved to get beat in this match. And like the whole thing with the guys running the ring, I like the idea like they were sick of Russo as well, but like the whole thing is they were standing he immediately hits Booker with a bat twice and runs to the door and they're all standing there. So we may believe that if they weren't there, Russo would have won this match in under a minute. He would immediately have just escaped and left. Like, is that what we're supposed to believe here? And then like, where the fuck did Lex Luger come from? I forgot he was still a part of WCW at this point. Like in Rick Flair's big like shocking like reveal that he's a part of the EMTs to sneak in and then get to Russo and then he falls over as he's trying to get to him and then like uh, it's just so so overlooked. I put in all caps fuck off Russo in my notes because this match this finish was worse than I thought because I thought it was stupid enough the whole Goldberg gets squeezed him through so then he technically wins the fact that they go off air and he without announcing him as the champion. When I sat through this whole episode of them saying, Russo's going to win the title. Watch Russo, he might win the title later on. And that's what this episode is known for. And he doesn't get announced as the champion, which makes me feel like I've even, I've even feel like I've wasted my time even more. As if it would, hadn't been a waste if I just sat there and he did hold the title, but like, ah, oh, I'm so angry. Yeah, it's, it is, I mean, it's just ridiculous. Like I say that the, I, that was, I mean, I'm not ragging on the guy here, but like I know, and this wasn't specifically at this point, but uh, because Russo wasn't, like I said, Russo wasn't booking on his own at this point. Mm-hmm. But when Russo was booking on his own, just to give a bit of context, uh, the ratings went for Nitro went from 3.08 to 3.10, which sounds like an increase, but during his watch, Nitro went from three hours to two hours. So realistically, it was a 2.9. Yeah. So it actually went from a 3.08 to a 2.9, and they also meant they lost a ton of ad revenue as well. Uh, Average attendance dropped from 4,628 to 3,593. Buy rates, which were the the company's main source of revenue, went from 0.52 to 0.26. They halved. And just to give uh, the devil the due, I guess... Thunder's ratings did go up to two from two point oh six to two point three two. Yeah, well, that's Thunder was considered the show from the off. So. Well, yeah, that's that's Russo's legacy of his time booking on his own in WCW, and this is his legacy when he was booking uh, side by side with someone. And I know, like, I've ragged on Russo, and I don't. I'm not going to lie. Personally, he said some things, you know, where I, I don't. He said some things that I massively disagree with. Mm-hmm. but there are 
you could maybe make an argument that he could there was a place for him in the business somewhere. He could have maybe helped with I don't know, helping some guys make their interviews a bit better or something like that. Again, that's going back to that Dave Meltzer interview that I watched where Meltzer said he could occasionally help with like interviews with guys and stuff like that, but he shouldn't have been anywhere on their own. Mm-hmm. I just cool. wanted to quickly mention as well, uh, like I said, just to reiterate, I got these, I got those facts I just mentioned about Russo's uh, reign as booker from the death of WCW. You know, I'm sure most of the people who who will listen to this have heard of it, and I'd imagine, I imagine most have read it. If you haven't read it, do go read it. There's also an audio version if you prefer audio books. I know I do, so uh, seek that out. It's a very good listen. It, to be honest, it's worth listening even if you're not a wrestling fan. You'll enjoy it more if you are a wrestling fan. But it's um. It's just quite a good insight into business and how business can go from being really successful to failing. The drop mm-hmm. of a hat. Yeah, but before we go, Sean, I'm going to play one last game of Shag, Mary, Kill, and I think it'll probably be the easiest one we've played so far. So the three options are Booker T, Goldberg, or Vince Russo. Kill Vince Russo? Yes, 100%. Marry Goldberg because you've seen how good of a father he is to his kid. Mm-hmm. Which means I guess I'm shagging Bush of tea, book of tea. And I can dig that. So. <laughs> oh, wonder, if he, wonder if he says that when he finishes. <laughs> it's jeering, isn't it? I can you did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, was, I was almost, like, I definitely gave a kill and venture, so and I almost went with Mary Booker T, but I've heard Terry, every time he comes back to he's become more and more insufferable. And I don't know if I could put up with that. Uh, so I think I had to mimic what you, uh, mirror what you said and marry uh, Goldberg and Shag Booker T, because at least, at least I'll uh, only have to put up with, with Booker T for a while and then I'll never see him again, probably. Imagine like, every time you get in from work, you must go on like shucky ducky quack quack. That's all. Oh, <laughs> and sitting there like, oh, shut up. I don't care how many times you're a WCW champion. It was shite. <laughs> so I was like, oh, five time. Oh. Everyone, everyone at this stage was a five time WCW champion. Yeah. I mean, Booker was a great talent. We should mention that Vince Russo uh, Nitro was officially declared, yeah, he was the champion. And then for on the fall of Nitro, he vacates the title. And we have Jeff Jarrett versus Booker T in a San Francisco 49ers match where we have four boxes hanging up on poles on each oh. side of the ring. And the, the belt is in one of the boxes and you have to get it out. And... <laughs> what is it? Is it like the, the belt in one? There's yeah. like a picture of Scott Steiner in the other one. No, it's no it's not Scott, Scott Steiner. It's, it's Scott Hall, isn't it? Yeah, sorry. Um, there's a weapon in one of them, I think. And I don't know. And then the other one just falls off or something, isn't it? Like, they go through all the other ones, like, the look, Booker D takes it, the one picture of Scott Hall, I think the Scott Hall had left it, and he just pulls the picture up to the camera and just gives a look on the face, like, this look towards the camera, like, really? And then the final box, the, the bottom falls out of it, because, and that's the one the title is in. So Booker D was meant to grab it out of the box, and the bottom falls out, and the title falls on the floor, so then he had to duck down and get the referee help hand it up to him before he was officially declared the winner. Which, to be fair, the bottom falling out of the title is probably a good metaphor for the title in this year. So, it's probably a good place to end. I think that's an apt description if there ever was one for this. And 
I don't know if you want to give a rating for this because I don't know if you even dignify it with a rating. I'm just going to give it. If I had to rate it, I'd rate it a, a flaming bag of dog shit you leave at someone's door. How does it go? Is it, is it the thing by Alvarez? It's like minus five, five stars. stars. That's, I mean, that's pretty much where I'm at. Yeah. Uh, the, the only sort of glimmer of hope in this episode were a couple of decent deliveries in promos and a four minute match. Yeah. Well, it could have, like I say, I don't think it was made, it could have been a whole lot worse if we didn't have that Landstorm Sting match, but at least that, that was one bit of light in the dark. Yeah. Uh, yes, it was. I mean, <laughs> see what you all have seen it, man, but I mean, his matches are way better than Vince Russo's matches. Oh, yeah, I can. I mean, I people can say what they want about Shane McMahon's reign of terror, but I, I would rather have lived through five years of that than this one episode of Nitro. Yeah, I mean, it's, you should really compare the two. I mean, one's Vince Russo and the other one's the best in the world. Well, exactly. But <laughs> he was 10-0 at this point. Vince Russo went 10-0 at this show. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, the dream, that's the dream match, isn't it, really? Vince Russo versus Shane McMahon. I mean, as you see, he's went through a lot. He's seen some sick bunts, but he doesn't have to wear football gear and a helmet. He, he's, not, he's not always... He doesn't need protection, but... Shane will do anything, he'll jump off anything. Yeah. The adventure isn't as hard as Shane McMahon. Needs to jump off to the TV. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think that's as good as we throw this up. And yep. so we, we got through it. We got through it in the end. And we're, we're, uh, we're at the other side. And we never, thankfully, have to ever talk about this ever again. Well, I mean, I did have something resembling fun with this podcast. So thank you, at least. <laughs> It could have been. It could have been worse. Yeah, <laughs> and this almost puts me off doing predictions ever again because, although I don't think we can find anything worse than this, but the worst thing about it is I suggested this as a punishment. Well, and live live by the sword, mate. I know because like we sword. need a championship related punishment for Clash of Champions, and I suggested this. So next time I have an idea for a punishment, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. Because I could end up being the one that has to do it. Yeah. Good idea. So, before we go, Sean, what, uh, what are your pods then? Uh, there's the Doctor Who pod that me and Carl do. Uh, if you like Doctor Who, listen to it. Yeah, it's <laughs> the, the best thing to get it, really. Yeah, we go through, um, we did all of season one. Uh, and next week we'll be doing, I mean, if things go to plan. Next week we'll be doing a school reunion part as part of season two because we're going to have to start skipping a couple of uh, episodes because uh, just because of just because of like commitments and stuff like that. So we've decided we'd rather talk about the episodes we want to talk about rather than um, like get bogged down with the ones that aren't necessarily as good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, check it out. It's, I, I enjoy it, and I hope other people enjoy it. Fair enough. Uh, so if you're a fan of Doctor Who, you can find that in our. Uh, back catalogue of all our good podcasts the same way you can find this like on Anchor and Spotify and all good podcasts and sites where you find that you can find the Real Gritters Matt doing review with me, myself and Jimmy you can find KP Court uh, I believe by the time this goes up uh, the B Block of the Greatest Entrances tournament that me, Jimmy and Nathan did are, we're going to be up there, we're going to have a review of Hell in a Cell that's already up and, and you can follow us on Twitter at Rogue underscore opinions. It's the same on Instagram. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Scott McLean 1986. Uh, 
just as a preview, Scott, for the Hell in a Cell review, if I had to ask you to sum up the main event in one word, what would it be? Uh, <laughs> Is that it? <laughs> Is that it? Just, I wasn't prepared for, the, for that, so... <laughs> to be fair, that to be fair, that reaction is probably as good a that's probably the best summation you could give it. So I mean I wasn't very complimentary about the main event, but then again, having had to relive talking about this main event, I don't think it really puts in perspective, to be honest. Yeah. We should, we should just stop complaining really, shouldn't we? Just just do the hell in a cell review and be like, Yeah, but it was great. Fantastic. Five out of five. Yeah, but at least we didn't have Vince Russo winning it, so Don't tempt him. <laughs> oh. So I think we've been through enough. Uh, so we're gonna thankfully, we've, hopefully, we've had a good time laughing at our pain because God knows we haven't. But yeah, God bless you if you've made it to the end of this. I know he didn't. So <laughs> <laughs> congrats if you did. We should have so, did all the plugs at the start, really, shouldn't we? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would hopefully like. I hope you didn't have to go to the torture of watching the episode to hopefully get context. So I was like, never watch this episode of Nitro. Just listen to us and take our word for it that it's not worth watching. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I think that's going to be it from here. That's from Rogue Opinions. From Sean, I've been Scott. We'll see you next time. See you later. Can you dig it, dig it sucker? Sucker! sucker. sucker.